Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. I want to go back to Matthew 24. We've been looking at Matthew 22, 23, 24, 25, looking at the parables of Jesus and setting the context to understand some of these parables. Matthew 24, 25, often referred to as the Olivet Discourse because Jesus was talking, discoursing, and he was on the Mount of Olives. <laughs> so it's not this deep, dark theological term that we think these things are. And we saw in the previous episode that Jesus was answering uh, questions that some of the disciples had come and asked him. They'd come and said, hey, Jesus, tell us, when are these things going to happen? And what's going to be the sign of your coming again and of the end of the age? And then Jesus gave them an answer beginning with verse 4, going through verse 14. We read all that in the previous episode. I just want to go back and look at it again and just point out some things that I think are so, so important for us to understand that Jesus was telling them, but he's also telling us. Notice the first thing that he said in verse 4. See to it that no one misleads you. See to it that no one will mislead you. Well, what's that about? It shows us. As I've said many times, folks, we need to see to it. We have a role and a responsibility to make certain that we're not misled, that we're not deceived. Now, we don't do this in the flesh. We do this by the Spirit and by the empowerment of the Most High God. But that means that we trust in Him, that we rest on Him, that we turn to Him and everything. I cannot keep myself from being misled, but I can keep myself in Him, seeking Him, desiring him to where I won't be misled. And so the question often comes when people read just that first verse right there, verse 4. Well, misled about what? Well, he gives us some insight. The next verse he tells us. It's the reason you always need to read the context, right? Verse 5, he said, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. Well, there we see what he's talking about. The first thing he tells them in answering these questions is, see to it, that you're not misled in relationship to who the Christ is, to who the Messiah is. Because he tells us point blank, he told them, and he tells us that many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. There's going to be many, many false Christ that will come forth and say that I am the way, I'm the direction. Now, what gets interesting about this is in a lot of interpretation we're going to run to in Matthew 24 and 25, uh, people, and I mean good people, people that I I really trust and some that I know personally, okay, that kind of thing, will come along and will say, oh, well, this word right here, this was only for the Jewish people. No, you can't say that. Are you going to come back and uh, uh, well, Matthew 26 through 28, everything that happened to Jesus and, and the great um, commission that he gives us? Are you going to say, oh, that's only for the Jewish people, it's not for the Gentile who believes also? Well, of course not. You can't pick and choose chapters. You can't pick and choose verses like that. And so uh, sometimes people will come along and say that. No, this word is for us to make sure that we're not misled. Well, Jesus continues, verse 6, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not frightened, for these things must take place, but that is not yet the end. So we have two see to it's here. <laughs> see to it that no one misleads you. 
particularly in relationship to who Messiah is, who the Christ is. And then see to it that you're not frightened. Okay? See to it that you're not frightened. We have a role and a responsibility to make certain we're not frightened. Now, again, you cannot do that in the flesh. You can't do that with the unregenerated mind and spirit of the world. It is only empowered by the Most High God that you can do that, but we have a choice. We can choose to walk in fear and anxiety, or we can choose to walk in the empowerment of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that you'll never have fear. You'll never have. That's not. No, that's not what the thing is. You know, I, I use the example all the time. If you're walking along and you jump a rattlesnake right there and jump back in fear, that, that's a good response. But I'm talking about this fearful anxiety that binds you and it instills such fear within you that you, uh, you're you unable to do anything. That is not of God, okay? So he says, see to it that you're not frightened. Well, how do we see to it that we're not frightened? Well, it boils down to one simple thing. Who do you rest in? Who do you trust in? Are you going to believe the hearing of wars and the rumors of wars and all that kind of thing? Are you going to believe what the next verse says, verse 7, that nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes? Are you going to look at the situation and the circumstance, or are you going to look and rest in the Most High God? If you're a believer, you rest in the Most High God, knowing that literally He dwells within us. We have a choice to make. And it, but he tells us, hey, this is, the end's not yet. It's not even the beginning of birth pangs, okay? He says, nations will rise against nations. And then kingdoms against kingdoms. Well, what's that about? Well, that word right there for nations is the word ethnos. Ethnicities will rise against ethnicities. Well, isn't that stuff that we see all the time? It just abject foolishness of men. You know, somebody comes along and says, well, I hate short people. Somebody else says, I hate tall people. <laughs> you know, that kind of foolish kind of thing. And then kingdoms against kingdoms is what we associate with uh, nation states, that type of thing. And he says, you're going to have this. It's going to happen. And famines will come along and earthquakes will come along. But then in verse 8, he says, but you know, all these are merely the beginning of birth pangs. He didn't really even say it was the birth pains. He says just the beginning of birth pains. And then he tells them what's going to happen to them. He says, then they will deliver you to tribulation. People go, well, that's the great tribulation. No, it's not the great tribulation. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the one that coins the phrase great tribulation. He does it later in this chapter. Okay. Here he's saying, then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now, remember, he's answering the questions they'd ask him. Verse 10, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. So you're going to have people hating one another. You're going to have people betraying one, particularly those that fall away. Fall away? Fall away from what? It literally means this. At that time, many uh, will be caused to stumble. Many will fall away. Now, immediately people go, well, that's I'm talking about people who are in the church. They'll, they'll fall away from the faith. The people who believe that quite readily like that are also the ones that come along and say, oh, this chapter is only for the Jews. 
<laughs> no, they're not very consistent in, in their uh, uh, thinking, their application of the word. But there is a falling away. There's something that occurs here. You actually get a hint about that over in First Thessalonians. We'll look at that sometime later. Then verse 11 says that many false prophets will arise and mislead many. This goes back to what Jesus said at the beginning. Many will be misled by people who are saying, I am the Christ, I am the Christ. Now we're finding out that many will be misled because they come along and they're false prophets. A false prophet is the one who speaks falsely, who prophesies falsely. And that isn't just uh, the old Karnak on Johnny Carson kind of thing of foretelling the future. There is that element kind of thing. But also they speak, a prophesy means to speak forth something, okay? And they speak forth false things. Now the last three verses quickly. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. So what's going to happen is that people's love will grow cold. Love will die down because of lawlessness. We're seeing that worldwide today. But then verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And that enduring to the end, you can only endure because you are empowered by the Most High God and He dwells within you. You're saved, in other words. And this is what I was uh, talking about in the previous episode. The primary strongest evidence that you're actually truly saved is the fact that you endure to the end. Not that you prove yourself by your works, though the works do prove whether you're saved or not. Not that you earn your salvation by your works. Not that you earn your salvation by enduring to the end. The enduring to the end is the evidence that you truly are saved. Then Jesus says this, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. The gospel is going to be preached, but perhaps not in the way that we all think. Well, my time's up. Again, I'm Dale, and I thank you so much for your time, and I'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye.